Earn, Spend, Live presents Eavesdropping. Real women, real talk. Hey guys, it's Malia and Elise, and this week we also have a very special guest for you. It's Nicole Whip, CEO of Whip Enterprises. Hi, everybody. So Whip Enterprises is a consulting and training firm that specializes in team building and leadership. And we are so excited to talk to her because we've been dying to talk to a team building expert because we're 20 somethings, a lot of you are 20 somethings, and we work with a lot of other 20 somethings, and we're all still trying to figure out how to communicate professionally and also move up the corporate ladder and continue to be an effective leader and create and work with effective teams. So Nicole, we are so thrilled to have you on the podcast. Yeah, and I am really excited about this, partly because, like how you said, you're the 20-somethings and you're a lot of your audiences as well. And to me, knowing this stuff at this point in your career can be a complete game changer for the rest of your life. There are so many people that have said to me, I wish I would have known this stuff when I was younger. So it's really exciting to me to be able to bring it to this type of audience. Well, that's awesome. So... Tell us a little bit about your background. You're also a lawyer and a best-selling author. No big deal. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally minor achievements. Uh, not awesome at all. And you also do some consulting. How did you kind of get into where you are now? Okay, so I am just sort of the kind of person that loves to try new things. And so I would say I'm definitely the typical, like what you might think of as like your typical entrepreneur um, in the respect that I've started many businesses in my life. But I, after September 11th, um, I actually went to law school. That was a trigger for me to go to law school. And um, I became a lawyer. But As many lawyers soon discover, um, it was not very satisfying to me because the idea of practicing law as opposed to the reality of it is not that exciting. And it can be very stressful um, and it doesn't feel that fulfilling uh, many times as a career. So I continued to start and build businesses even while I was practicing law. Sometimes when I think about this, it sounds crazy even for me to say it, but it's just... um, part of how I express my creativity, I create businesses. Um, And so I started this law firm that I finally fell into an area of practice that I really enjoy. And I still have a very thriving law practice. I do advanced asset protection, estate planning, and elder law. And so that um, part of my career has been really great. But um, one of the things that happened in the course of building that practice And also in other businesses that I had was I was realizing how hard it was to have a team because one of the things that happens to people when they start a business and especially if they're successful at it is you quickly realize that all the things that might make you good at starting a business and running a business and creating a great business are not the same things that make you a great leader of a great team. In fact, it's completely different skill sets. And I am not a natural leader of team members. I'm sort of my renegade self. And so I really had to learn how to do that. And that's what my company now, my consulting business is all sprung out of, is this process that I had to go through that I now know so many others do as well. So in your experience, what exactly makes a good team? 
Well, what makes a good team is the right people doing the right things at the right time. And so (laughs) that sounds like overly simplistic, but it's actually quite complex because you know, what happens, and and you guys may have already discovered this at different times already, but a lot of times there's things that we think that we want to do, and then you start to do them, and you're like, wow, this really sucks. Yep. Right? Yes, Um, Because the idea of it is very different than what the reality of actually doing it is. So this this is true for almost all people. We have a very low level of self-awareness about... um, really what we individually should be doing that we can display our best selves at. And so part of the process that we take people through is actually discovering who are the right people to be doing these right things. Because you have certain energies that are not conducive to doing certain things. And really, if I hire you to do those things, I'm doing both myself, my business, and you a disservice by doing that. So it's really the right people doing the right things. Are, that's crucial. And um, like I said, though, the biggest problem with that is that it's not intuitive. And most people's level of self-awareness about what that actually looks like is about zero. So um, it takes a little bit of a process to discover what that actually means. So this is true, whether it's an entrepreneur or a business leader or a person that's, you know, leading a managing a team in a corporation. And, and of course, it's also true for the individual team members. So how do you go about helping as a leader? How do you go about helping your team uncover what they're really drawn to or going to be good at? Or as an individual, how do you start to kind of build that self-awareness? So, you know, like a lot of people take these different personality tests, right? Uh huh. You know, like they're endemic, right? You, you might have taken Myers-Briggs or, you know, you take StrengthsFinder, DISC. There's all these like personality tests out there, Right. And because we're obsessed with those things, everybody loves taking them. But the problem with things like that is that you take it and you're like, yeah, that's cool. Right. And then you never it stays on your hard drive or you print it out and you put it in your drawer and you never look at it again. And so that's something it's a tool like a personality test or other types of testing. I'll, I'll explain this to you in just a second. These are tools. But the problem is that most people don't know how to use the tool. Because if you just read it once and you're like, yeah, that's cool. And then you just don't ever look at it again, then what is it really doing for you? So part of the process that we take people through is to take these different types of tools and then actually use them. Um, And so that's a, it's much more, it's, once you understand how to do it, it's really easy, but it's, that's not very intuitive for most people because you know, if you're, if I'm sitting here and I'm talking, like pretty much everybody knows Myers-Briggs, right? If I say you're an INFP, FP, there you go, INFP, like me. that means a lot to you, but it means nothing to the next person. Right. And so part of it is also understanding what yours is in relation to other people and how it, what you are affects other people. So that's part of it, right? That's the personality part of it. But then there are two other things that also need to be taken into consideration because it's not just personality that matters. The other thing that matters, of course, and this is usually what we're initially getting hired on, is what are your skills? What is your intellect? Like, what do you know and what can you bring to the table in terms of a skill set, right? So that's sort of the intellectual part of your mind or what we would say is the cognitive part of your mind. Then this personality stuff is the affective part of your mind. 
Then there's a third part of your mind. And this is where it gets a lot trickier for a lot of people because this is something that a lot of people aren't really familiar with. And it's what we call the conative part of your mind. Now, when I tell you that there's these three parts of the mind, I I don't want you to feel like this is something that Nicole Whip made up because (laughs) like this is something that is very well known in the fields of psychology and philosophy. Aristotle and Plato have discussed this in in their writings and um, things that they did about that there's known three parts of the mind. But it's this last part of the mind, the conative part of the mind that a lot of people have really no awareness about. And this part of the mind is about what your natural instincts to action are. So what are your natural instincts that are hardwired that will enable you to be able to do your best work? And that's one of the things that we're always looking at in our team building. That's really interesting. I've never heard of the conative part. Right. It's like conative, the word conative or conation is like one of the 1,000 most obscure words in the English language. (laughs) (laughs) And here I am, the dork that loves that kind of stuff, right? No, that's awesome. I'm totally going to go. So I Google everything. That is something that I've always known about myself. But I'm totally going to go Google it and fall into the deep dive hole of the internet. Right, right. So this is great. That, what you just said, is an indication of your conative instinct. I'm going to Google it. So now both of you didn't say that, right? (laughs) Nope. I ask her and she Googles. (laughs) Right, because she is the one that we would say is a fact finder. She has an she has an um, instinct to know and not only know, but know a lot about it. Right. So you have yes. to like, you <laughs> have to know. Right. So you go and you Google it. But then you're like, well, I don't really need to know all of that. And if I do, you're just going to give me the bottom line that I need to know about. That's why our relationship works. <laughs> <laughs> and so those are two very different cognitive instincts. And so imagine in a workplace environment, Um, if you are working with somebody that all they ever want to know is the bottom line, but the other person has to like get every iota of information that can be a source of conflict in a workplace. Now for you two, you've learned how to make it work, but that's not so easy for most people because a high fact finder is, can be very annoying to some people. Oh, she's annoying to me. (laughs) (laughs) We do annoy each other. We just work. Yeah, of course, because, you know, you have different instincts of styles, right? And that's okay. That's also what makes a great relationship, but you have to actually be able to appreciate those things about each other. And so um, there is an assessment that measures your cognitive instincts. It's called the Colby, K-O-L-B-E. And um, it's something that I'm a certified consultant in, and I use it quite extensively in my consulting. Um, And so it sort of gives you that snapshot of what your cognitive instincts are. And this is different than, let's say, also, you know, your cognitive instincts are hardwired as opposed to your personality, which is situational. It changes in situations, right? And it changes for a lot of people as you age. And then your intellect, which is never fixed because you're always learning new things. Your cognitive part of your mind is the thing that is fixed. That's so interesting. Did you say it is? for your like undergrad Nicole what did you do like psychology as your undergrad or did you oh, get into I, should have, right? I was like a political science major with a <laughs> minor in Japanese and Asian studies <laughs> very different that's quite a pivot yeah well I I am a fan I love information like I love to learn things and so I can get myself immersed 
in just about anything that I'm interested in. And I'll get very interested in it. Like one time I went out, I decided I wanted to compost. And this is before the internet was big. I went out and checked out 13 books about composting from the library. Oh my gosh. Like that's a fact finder. <laughs> I, yeah, I relate to that in like a spiritual level. I very <laughs> much enjoy that. So, yeah. So understanding those things about yourself and about the people that you work with is really a integral part of having a dynamic, engaged team. Because we talk about workplace engagement a lot in corporate. They talk about workplace engagement a lot. It's like this buzzword topic. And actually, people are getting really sick of it because nobody really has figured out how to make it work. <laughs> but, um, you know, an engaged team is people that are really very invested in the actual work that they do. They're proud of it. They're working at their best and highest use of what they do. And the work does not feel like it's effortful, but it feels effortless for the most part for them. So there's always a striving component to it, but it's not like going through the grind, right? Because when you go through the grind, that's when you just can't continue so when you're working with these teams, when you're consulting, um, do you do like physical team building exercises? Do you do any of the like, you know, where someone falls and the someone else's arms falls? Yeah. Or what kind of exercises do you do? No, I mean, for me, I like that kind of stuff doesn't. I mean, it might be fun, I guess. But like for me, that does nothing for me. I'm not into that kind of thing at all. Um, we what we will do is exercises that are actually scenario based where we're, we're sort of throwing out like scenarios to people so that people can see um, how each other's instincts and action are. So for example, one exercise that I do that my clients love, I mean, it's so much fun is I will select certain people with certain cognitive instincts and I will send them out of the room and then I will, and I never know who these people, like, because my clients and their teams, I don't know them, right? I'm just going in and consulting. Um, and I will say to the group, I'll say, so when they come back in, I'm going to have them do this exercise. And this is what this person's going to do. And this other person's going to do this. And this third person's going to do this. And everybody's just sort of looking at you like, all right, let's see. And then they come back in and I give them the exercise. They have to build something together. They have to create something. And then at the end, they have to, somebody has to be chosen to discuss what they've done. And it's so funny because every single time the people will react and do the exact things that I said that they're going to do because your cognitive instincts are that strong. And it's like this incredible eye-opening experience for people because they can see that in themselves and they can see it in their coworkers. They can now understand how conation is so powerful and how it affects the way people actually are in the workplace. Wow. So going off of that, what's the most common type of conflict you see among teams? Well, you know, I think it's like, it, I think a lot of it is what I would consider to be cognitive conflict because, you know, it's like I always tell people, we work with some people, like some people are just jerks, right? Yep. And there's no getting around it. Like I can't, I cannot fix a person that's a jerk. <laughs> and I'm not going to come in and work on a team and, and fix a jerk. Like that's just, it is what it is. But if we're seeing, um, so for, let me give you an example. So if I am in a meeting and I'm saying to my team, 
listen, um, you know, we have to get this project done. And so this is how I want you guys to do it. And I'm laying it out. And what will happen is because my cognitive way is so different than some of the people on my team, that half the people on the team are looking at me like I'm an idiot. Because they're like, why would you do it that way? Like, why are you making us do it that way? That makes no sense. It's stupid, right? And the thing is, is that we're attributing that to like me being stupid or that I'm, I'm just being difficult because I'm trying to make them do something that they shouldn't have to do it that way. But it isn't because it's just to me, that's the way it makes sense. But it may not make sense to do it in that way to somebody else on my team. And so um, I think a lot of conflict in teams is really based on this idea that the, how somebody approaches problem solving is very different than how another person would approach problem solving based on our cognitive instincts. That's so interesting. I just feel like I could sit and absorb that information all day. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's like when I say it, right, like I'm, it makes sense, right? Like I'm saying this to you and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Like I can see it, but it's harder yeah. to actually see what it's like until you really under, like you understand how yours is and how other people's are. And then that's when it really starts making sense. And this is where a lot of times when I'm working with teams and they're saying to me, I wish I would have known this about myself because like, imagine you, like you've worked in jobs, I'm sure where you're like, Oh my gosh, like this is such a grind. I feel exhausted every day because I can't stand to do this stuff all day long. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. <laughs> that is you literally working against your cognitive instincts. So if I could instead draw you away from doing that kind of work and put you into stuff that didn't, suck the life out of you? Wouldn't you be so much happier at work? Wouldn't you like me so much better as a boss? Wouldn't you be so much more willing to do the things that I need you to do because I wasn't grinding, the work that I was actually having you do wasn't grinding you down on a day-to-day -day basis. And so when you know that about yourself, then you can be like, yeah, this is stuff that I should never do. Like I should never do. So for me, I can't do anything that's like administrative I can't do anything that requires like starting from the very beginning and going all the way to the very end. I can't do that kind of stuff on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm capable of doing it, but it is not my cognitive instinct. Like I will get bored. I will see a shiny object. I will want to go do something else. That's not my thing. I hire people to do that for me that are really good at it. So in your program, Leadership Remastered, one of the things that you focus on is conflict cost reduction. And I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about that because on the podcast, Elise especially <laughs> is always saying that our time is literally money. Literally money. Yeah. So if you think about every type of conflict that happens in any type of workplace, you are creating a scenario where there's these hidden costs. And so like, for example, a hidden cost of conflict is opportunity cost, right? So all the time that we spent in, spend in a conflict means that we are missing out on the opportunity to be productive, to have productive conversations, to get certain things done, to be able to think properly and be able to be innovative together. Every minute that's spent in conflict is, uh, is, has an opportunity cost associated with it. And this is a hidden cost, but it's a true cost. I think more people need to realize that. <laughs> yeah. And think about like, too, when, when there's ongoing conflict in a workplace, another thing that happens is people tend to start avoiding one another. Well, this is definitely a cost in a workplace, because if I'm not willing to go to the person that's the right person to get a certain thing done because I'm in conflict with them, 
and I'm going around them or I'm trying to go to somebody else, this is not an effective or efficient use of my or any other team member's time. And now we're really causing these kinds of different types of costs just from going around one another or failing to ask somebody to do something or failing to get things done because we want to avoid, there's all this avoidance cost. So, you know, those are some examples. Time is money. Time is money. And, you know, on a team in conflict, um, I have a, a chart that I show people, you know, if you have a couple people in conflict, this can be a several hundred thousand dollar conflict over the course of just even two months based wow. on these kinds of factors. What do people say when you show them that chart? Do they just like drop their jaw? Yeah, because um, it's stuff that like you sort of intellectually know. But you don't want, like, it's like your brain hasn't ever gone there to think about it, right? Like, there's plenty of things in this world that, like, if you thought about it, it'd be like, oh, yeah, but you never really have spent the time. So when people can see it literally in black and white quantified for them, it's shocking. Because, you know, nobody wants to deal with conflict. I mean, we're, like, the most conflict-avoiding things in the world. So even when there's conflict, we don't want to address the fact that there's conflict or or avoiding the fact of the conflict, this is a huge leadership issue, right? If people cannot, if leaders cannot resolve conflict, or if leaders cannot help their team members on their own resolve conflict, the leadership issue behind that is massive. And so um, to see it in black and white sort of brings it home to people. And it can be overwhelming. What one thing would you say to people who are currently doing that? Well, it's, you have to take the bull by the horns and you have to deal with it, but there's ways that you can deal with it in a structured way that doesn't actually escalate the conflict. And so if you're the kind of person that doesn't feel confident that you understand how to um, have conflict conversations without escalating it or without you know having it implode back on you, then that's when you need professional assistance. Which is where you come in. Yeah, that's what we do. And so, you know, we work with corporate, certainly. But, um, you know, I have a whole other side of my business where we work with entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial companies as well. So there is um, the way that we approach these problems is different in an entrepreneurial company than we would in a corporate environment. But it's all the same type of thing. So if someone wants to work with you, where do they find you? And then if someone just wants to follow you on all of the social media, where can our listeners do that as well? So if you're an entrepreneur, you want to come to see me at NicoleWhip.com because that's where all my entrepreneurial services are provided. But if you're in the corporate space, then WhipEnterprises.com is the best place to connect with me. Of course, I'm on LinkedIn I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, you know, so I can be found in all those places as well. And it's just Nicole with my name. You'll easily find me. Well, Nicole, thank you so much. This has been so, like interesting. Well, and so if you or your listeners want to explore sort of this cognitive idea without having to pay to figure out your test, on NicoleWhip.com, on my homepage, I have an, you can take an eight question quiz that sort of leads you to part of your cognitive instinct and how it relates to other people. And I've had great feedback about the quiz. People feel that it's so spot on and it really illuminates some of these issues for them. So it's a really easy, no cost way of learning a little bit more about yourself, but then also taking that step further and understanding how it relates to other people. 
Okay, well, we're going to go do that right now. Yeah, make sure that at some point you let me know what your results are. I'd love to hear. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll tweet them at you. Yeah, at Nicole Whip. Yep. Yeah, um, Ernst and Liv just followed you on Twitter, so we will let you know our results. (laughs) Oh, yay. And then I'll tell you mine, and then we can can compare. (laughs) Good. Thank you so much, ladies. Yeah, thank thank you. you. This was a blast. I agree. Yeah, I'm so excited. This is all stuff that I just want to, like, mull over for a while, and I'm convinced I'll walk into work tomorrow and be Superwoman. (laughs) You will be. (laughs) Of course, you already are, but you're going to have that extra layer now. A brilliant knowledge. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Nicole. Yeah, thank you so much. Hey, guys, we're back. We're back. We just took Nicole's quiz. Yes. And so you probably didn't even know that we were gone. But <laughs> Elise is going to edit this. I'm so, so seamless. Good at editing us. Um, but yes, as we said at the end of our interview with Nicole, we really did go take the quiz. Mm-hmm. Elise, what were your results? I am the fine tuner. What is a fine tuner? The fine tuner, basically, so I like rules, I like structure, I respect them, but I also feel like I can make things better. So I'm constantly taking, like, rules and methods, like, ways of doing things and tweaking them and making them better in my eyes, which this you, is you can so attest, true. I constantly do this. Yeah, she'll, like, think about it and try to figure out where there's, like, a breakdown and whatever process we're using, and then come up with a new way to do it, Mm -hmm. and then she'll tweak that and keep tweaking, and it's really good. I like it, personally. Do you? I do. I would say some people probably don't. I don't like coming up with my own structure, Mm -hmm. so when someone makes a suggestion, it's always interesting to, like, Mm -hmm. try it out. Yeah. Because my brain does not do that. Yeah. My brain's like, this is how you do it. Woo! I just have epiphanies, like, daily. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I should do it this way. This is the way. Where where has this been all my life? Yeah. So what did you get? I am the flexible adapter. And if you guys know me and you don't know anything about this quiz, that sounds wrong. Yeah, we were Um, like, no, there's no way. But then we actually read the results. And basically, it means that I create my own rules and then follow my rules and not necessarily other people's rules. What? The girl who has green hair makes (laughs) her own rules? And yeah, that that's me. Um, yes, I zig when others zag. I am bored by routine, and I don't like other people's rules. But my rules are fine. So it's not as much like flexible would be a nice way of saying that well, I don't like any rules and I hate routine. Yes. And I think it's also you're flexible when it comes to your decision making. Yeah. Like you'll kind of you also she took this quiz like four times, and a couple times she got fine tuner, and she's like, no, that's not right. So I think when it's her schedule, she's fine changing things, and she is flexible. But when, like, someone else will come up, and she'll be like, no, I don't have time for that. Yes. Like, when I do... You're very blunt about not being flexible. And that's one thing that I noticed. So the reason I had to take this quiz, like, four times is the first time I got the flexible adapter, and I was like, that doesn't sound right. Like, if you ask people who work with me, they don't think I'm flexible. But when I read it, honestly, I think it's kind of a nice way of saying impulsive. (laughs) Yeah. Because I am, and I'm very high energy, and I can be very, like, I like bouncing back and forth between tasks, Mm -hmm. and I can be flexible, assuming that I'm not under, like, a tight deadline. Like, if something comes up and some... Well, and you're kind of, like, laid back about stuff. Yes. You're flexible in that sense. Well, like, today, for example, Tara sent an email asking how an affiliate had performed last year, and I was doing something, but it wasn't really important, and I thought that, like 
looking up these numbers for her would be more timely because she and Elise needed them to make a decision so we could move forward. So I kind of just like stopped whatever else I was working on, went and did that real quick and like came back. So if I'm not like under some sort of pressure, yeah, I'm like, yeah, this is more interesting. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting reading about like the cognitive abilities because when I took the quiz like three times, I found that the response that I gravitated to wasn't always the response that I felt reflected my current behavior because I have a lot of mm-hmm. learned behaviors yeah, that are she, different she's from my instincts. Yeah, she's been mentored and molded yes. and scolded. <laughs> yes. Like, there was, what was the, oh, it was like, um, what are, like, how organized are you? And the answers are, like, I'm a super neat freak. I'm pretty organized. And, like, I'm a tornado. And I am pretty organized, but that is, like, a strict layer of structure that I have, like, mm-hmm. smashed on top of my natural tornado like Yeah, you're natural. I think we're both kind of naturally tornadoes, but... Yes, so that was kind of... That was hard. Yeah. Breaking through, like, what you think is the right answer to find your instincts. Because, mm-hmm. like, she was saying, conative doesn't change. That's, like... Yeah how you're hardwired that was so interesting it was i had no idea i'm probably gonna dig into some of that and oh i know you are like read oh right yes (laughs) (laughs) no i am like now that i kind of have that background i'm gonna go read some of her blog posts and i'm honestly tempted to pay for that test so the other thing we did is we looked up the colby test that nicole mentioned where you can find out like your she says she looked it up i looked it up (laughs) and then i told elise about it that's like, <coughs> I read the five pages of whatever, and I give her the too long didn't read version of everything Which that I just read. Which is perfect for me. <laughs> That's all I need. Yes, the high level. The high level is that this test looks really cool, but it's 50 bucks. Which isn't a lot, but it's also a lot just to, like, get a quiz. So mm-hmm. we'll see if I actually do it. But it was yeah. interesting. But yeah, like we we said, we have been dying to get someone on the podcast, an expert in team building, just because sometimes it's chaos, you know? It's like we're all hired fresh out of college, we're all young, we all have about the same experience, and it's it becomes too many chiefs, not enough Indians, you know, that whole thing. And it's just rough, like even us, we started out a little like rough trying to figure out each other's like personalities and work ethic and how to talk to each other and this totally fits i sent this to elise the other day and she was like omg yes i found this article where someone had written about how basically everyone should make a user guide for themselves oh my god yes and it's perfect because elise has been like secretly doing this about all of us (laughs) and i have like literal like logs in my notebook um that no one will find um, like Speaking about of, like, <laughs> fine-tuner, you guys. She's, like, fine-tuning her communication with everyone in the office, yes. and I love it. I keep a log of people's strengths and weaknesses because I think, you know, I, I mean, I read a lot of, like, management yeah. stuff. Um, I'm constantly fine-tuning myself. And so one of the things is you're supposed to find out their weaknesses so you can adjust accordingly and, like, overcompensate. And then their strengths so that you can figure out how to kind of sort of manipulate them yeah, into like doing what you want. Capitalize on that. Yes. Be like, not like just like compliment them and be like, oh, you're so good at this. But find sneaky ways to be like, why don't you do more of this? Or like plant seeds in their heads. Yeah. It's very, it's. She's definitely the person though when we have conflict in the office because she's definitely spent time looking at people and she 
takes in and observes this sort of strengths, weaknesses, behavior, communication styles. Sometimes when you need someone to go to, to be like, okay, I really, I'm struggling with, I don't know, fictional Susan. Susan, God, Susan. like... <laughs> No, let's do Carol. Get your shit together, Carol. Oh, uh, Carol. Okay. <laughs> so, fictional Carol. I'm like, oh, Carol, like, every time I talk to her, I just feel like we come away and, like, it's just hard. Then you can talk to Elise, and if Elise has also worked with Carol, she'll be like, oh, yeah, this is what I found really worked when I was working directly with her. Maybe try working more like this. And she hands you her fine-tuned system. It's and, awesome. And it won't always work, and then I'll fine-tune again. Yes. I'm still fine-tuning, always. But, yeah. But that's, that's really why, interesting. Yeah. So this article Malia sent me, it was like basically, oh, yeah, yeah go, go back and explain because it's so interesting. <laughs> so guys, I bounce around a lot. Flexible <laughs> adapter, yo. Um, yeah. So basically it's literally this guy assigned it as part of a team building exercise and then they kept doing it over and over because kind of how Nicole was saying, a lot of conflict isn't necessarily that like person A super sucks and person B is awesome. And that's why person B and person A can't get along. It's because person A approaches a problem a certain way or prefers to handle things a certain way. And person B works in a totally different way. So they think that, like, one of them sucks and the other is awesome. So Well, and I've experienced this, too, what she was talking about. Like, yes. when, say, you're in a meeting. And, like, I'll come up with these, like, what I think are great <laughs> ideas. And everyone just stares at me. And they're like, literally, can you not? <laughs> So, like, I knew what she was talking about. Well, sometimes it's, like, a, <laughs> something that much. you think can be easy. Yes. Other people, yes. all they hear is, like, so much work. I've and learned like, to always. It's not hard. Right. I've learned to always be, like, but I will accept your feedback. Like, at the yes. end of every email or anything. Like, it's feedback funny. is welcome. Um, so, like, I hate it. like, that sort of thing. You send, basically, you write up this one page of, like, your strengths, your weaknesses, like, it's not even strengths and weaknesses. It's like how you prefer communicate to mm-hmm. communicate, um, deal breakers for you, like things that you totally cannot stand or work with, and other things about your communication styles and your work style so that people can read it and then they can try to work with you that way. And it also helps because then if, I don't know, like if Elise tells me that she prefers that I address all emails... Dear head bitch in charge. And then <laughs> I'm only gonna request that now. And then I do that and turns out she's like, oh no, I hate that. What are you doing? I can be like, girl, <coughs> you said it. It's right here in your user manual. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only example I could think of that was like ridiculous and off the top of my head. You know, editor on high should have really stuck. Yeah, we didn't try <laughs> to make that stick for a minute. But yeah, we will put a link to the article in the description. Um, I still need to send it to my boss because I think it's an amazing idea. We really want to make everyone do it. Yes. But then, of course, we have to do it, and I think that sounds like a lot of work. No, I would love to do it. I think the problem, so when I was reading it, I was like, oh, I love that. But kind of to Nicole's point, we're not always self-aware enough. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good reflection yeah. exercise because then you have to is. figure it out. But then, well, because like, we've even we've had coworkers who've been like, "This is how you handle yes. me," and like we've done that and it backfired. Because they so think, this would help prevent that. Yes, yes, they think that they really prefer. I mean, I can't even think of like like Elise really wants to be called head bitch in charge, but then she's like, "Wait a second, I would prefer editor on high." 
But that is a fake example. <laughs> it is. It's totally fake. I just don't want to like pick on real people, so I'm picking on a fake scenario instead. Mm-hmm. But you know, sometimes it takes a while to know yourself. Yeah. But that's something I think I could perceive being a problem is if you do think that you really prefer this one strategy or method or type of communication Mm -hmm. and then someone does that and you realize that you hate it. Well, especially because I don't even know how I want people to talk to me or handle conflict because I hate conflict. Right. So I think this like would be a good exercise for me to figure out what do I need to not get pissed off at people. We should try to get our boss to pay for the uh, Kobe exam too. The one about our cognitive instincts. We should. Call it a corporate We we did all like a couple years ago to take the Myers-Briggs test and that was really I mean not helpful like no one actually cared because like she said you know yours like I it helped me know myself better but like I don't know how to deal with anyone else but I feel there are probably I say probably because there's always some sort of information out there Mm -hmm. but I'm sure like the Harvard Business Review has an article about like working with other Myers-Briggs styles or something that we could look at oh yeah like if we really put in the put in the work, yeah. Well, in this like uh, the article could go along with it. Be like, I'm an INFP. Here's how to deal with me. Yeah. Because like if I hear like ENFP, like that's you. I know what that means. Right. You know, and like other INFPs, I'm like like Dana and Chris. I'm like, oh, they're like me. And I think that it's easy when you're mostly the same. Mm-hmm. It's when you get into some. So I'm an ENFP, but my boyfriend is an ISTJ. Oh, yeah. Wait, that's five letters. No, ISTJ. Oh, okay, you said INSTJ. Oh, it's because I started to say <laughs> N, and I was like, no, it's an S. Because so he's the opposite. Yeah, ISTJ. So he's oh, like the total opposite, Jesus. and I like struggle to comprehend how his brain works. Mm-hmm. It's like, but how are you? Why? But I do sometimes, like, I'll read an article about, like, this is what an ISTJ says or, like, Mm -hmm. whatever. And it's, like, oh, that's – so one thing he does is, like, if he gets something on his to-do list, he does it first thing in the morning, even on a Saturday, Mm -hmm. and will not chill until it is done. Like, he gets actively angry if something gets in the way of him finishing this one task. And it's that SJ sort of combination where they have a lot of structure Mm. and – a little bit like obsessiveishness. Mm. I wonder if Austin would be in that same kind of range of like complete opposite. Except an E, yeah, <laughs> possible. Yeah, well, he's very OCD. So yeah, he's never taken it. But, you should um, totally get him to take it. I know, or take I, it as him. Oh, it's too long to do that. It's too long and torturous. Another thing, another thing I was thinking of was the love languages. I know yeah. we're not like we are in relationships, you know, like work relationships. So. Because, like, I know, like, when Malia and I have had a fight before, she'll, like, bring me, like, food. Yes. Or, like, just nice things. It's very effective. Or, like, I've had an intern who brought me. She knew I loved McAllister's sweet tea, and so she brought me that. And, like, literally, like, love those people. Yeah. It's a good way, I think, to kind of strengthen already close relationships Mm -hmm. and to kind of help ease out of the awkward post-conflict stage if there is a conflict. Yeah. But it's good, because, I mean, if you're, I don't know, if I thought your love language was words of affirmation, and so I was like, oh, my God, you're so great, and you'd really be like, bring me a cookie, though. Yeah. (laughs) Or, like, I think my number one is action, and Mm -hmm. so, like, literally, if you just 
don't do what I told you not to do ever again will be cool. Yeah, she that one actually does come into play at work a lot, I think. Yes. Yes, it does. Because I don't care about words. I don't need you to tell me you're sorry. I don't care. Just fix it. Yeah, fix it. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so we have a lot of, like, self-discovery to, like, mull yes, over tonight. I think it's so fascinating. It is really interesting. So, yeah, Nicole, go you. Yeah, everyone go follow Nicole. Take the quiz. It's really interesting. Learn more about yourself. Yes, get in touch with yourself. And if you're an entrepreneur, you should totally hire her. I feel like now if I ever start my own company, like, hiring Nicole will be, like, a bottom mm-hmm. line. Just, like, yeah. out of the gate expense. Oh, I would definitely, like, do this kind of stuff, like, building a team do you like what she said the skills that you need to be an entrepreneur are totally Mm -hmm. different than the skills you need to run a company yep so if you start your own business if you don't kind of have someone who has that sort of knack Mm -hmm. and understanding of people yeah so interesting dude i'm gonna go back to college and major in psychology she didn't even major in psychology well yeah but she might just be you could just read some books you could read her book her book isn't about that, but... Oh. I was like, wait, I could. What is her book about? It's about... Um, I was reading it earlier. I wasn't reading it. But it's um, it's about, like, finances and stuff. Like, she was inspired by her grandparents. They, like, were super smart people, saved their whole lives, you know, had a will, did everything right. But then, you know, there were still issues within the family. They... Within, like, changing generations and things are so different today. And it's kind of, it's, like, adulting. Like, her elder law stuff, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. That sounds so interesting. I'll have to go get that. She's so much more than a lawyer. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, guys, so just go be as obsessed with Nicole as we are now. And... Go take your Myers-Briggs <gasps> test as well. And take the Nicole quiz and yes. tell us your results. Yes, tweet tweeting at results. Us. We're being really real, really real with you. We're having a lot of, like, speech problems today. I I think it's because we're sober. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Stone cold sober. It's 3 p.m. Yes. It's, uh... On a Tuesday. That's our dedication and love for you guys. Yes. 3 p.m. on a Tuesday. We are sober and recording the podcast. Mm -hmm. But I think it's our, um... Ugh, I learned this in foreign language. Affective filter. What's that? It's basically you have the filter that makes you question how you're saying things and how you're, like, coming across. Oh, and you don't have that when you drink. Yeah, when you're drunk, it's oh, like, we don't care. I get that. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. So I think that's why we're like, yeah, and then this and that. No, I mean, like, kind of stumbling because we're <laughs> yes. overthinking it. Oh, and you know I'm the queen yeah. of overthinking. Yeah, and that's, I mean, in foreign language, the thing is, like, that's what keeps you from just speaking in the foreign language, even if you sound like a dope. So you should get drunk to speak other languages. Yes. That's interesting. That's a Maybe that's why I, like, never did well in Spanish. You were too young to get drunk. I was, well, I'm very much, like, I'm a perfectionist, and I won't do it if I know I'm bad at it. Yeah. So I just, like, wouldn't speak Mm -hmm. it. That's your effective filter. I should have just gotten drunk. I mean, no, you were, like, 15. No, in college, too. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I made A's, but I couldn't speak it. I wasn't, yeah. like, confident. Even now, like, I make Malia Because you're a fine-tuner. Yes, I uh, You guys. So much self-discovery. <laughs> We're really going to go now, instead of continuing to regale you with tales of our, like, intricate personality traits. Because we know you don't care. But we care a lot. So tell us about yours. Yes, we'll retweet you. All the time. Tweet at you. We would love to start a conversation. 
And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, Eavesdropping on iTunes, and rate us, review us. Yes. And follow us everywhere. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.